right, what is up? Welcome back to the Aspiring Adult Podcast. This is your host, Sarah Smiles, and this week we are continuing with our Becoming series, which is a series about people who have founded their own businesses or fostered passion projects. This week we have on Sean Newell, who is a Boston Marathon runner, and he ran the Boston Marathon being his first marathon last year in 2022. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about how he got into running, how the marathon went, and how he raised money as a charity sponsor runner. So without further ado, here's Sean. I'll crack up this. You're not wearing your jacket? Oh my god, put that away. Is that, gonna, is that cliche? No, I feel like that makes sense. Like I'm interviewing you. Like, I'm going to put it on then. I thought that you were going to put like your medals behind you or something. I had your oh, bib. Life gets in the way. Life you gets in the way. Like I, tilt, I tilt my camera. Ooh, oh, here comes the drip. Keep it in style. Wow, that's all I noticed. Oh, God. Productive day. Productive day. I did. I had to. I dropped my car off at. Uh, I don't even know. It's called Benjamin Franklin Institute, so it's like kind of like a mechanic school in the South End. Somehow my dad knew someone, but they fixed my brakes and rotors only for the price of parts. What? So, so how much did you I, pay? Four, paid like four hundred, and it would have been like eight hundred oh. at my home garage. Well, I and went I to you. There, pick it up. I I went to your home garage. And I saw your brother. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I mean, they, they give you good deals, but you still pay for labor. And here you don't pay for labor. Damn. Well, anyways, welcome to the show. Welcome to AA. Happy to have you thank on. You, you. Okay, so Sean. First time I'm on a podcast, so I'm excited to make my celebrity debut. <laughs> ways. I'm from Branch, Massachusetts, south of Boston. Went to school at UMass Amherst, studied mechanical engineering. Didn't have too many crazy hobbies in school. I hang out with my friends working. Got a job after college in engineering and kind of like had that like low in my life where I wasn't in school anymore and I didn't really have a huge passion. So I was like, I want to spell try my hand at running. Gets me active, forced me to stay healthy, not spend as much money to go out on the weekends. So signed up for a half marathon. I like that. And I was like, I want to run a marathon. And if I'm going to do one. I kind of wanted to do one of the cool ones, which is in Boston. So 26 miles and trying to get the cloud out of it as well or the jacket so yeah that's kind of how it happened and i had a close friend who ran it uh in 2021 in over columbus day which was like the cove race so i had him tell me what charity he ran for so i reached out to them said how interested i was filled an application they interviewed me and they gave me a bid i would also like to chime in and say that the order of events was also that Sean and I work together. So in Sean and my first job, we both worked at a plumbing company. But anyways, I sat right next to him or right across from him rather in his cubicle. And I was telling him that I was running a marathon. And then I'd like to think that Sean decided to run this marathon to try and beat my time or to try and one up me in some sort of capacity. So Maybe. what's your take on that, Sean? Hmm? Uh, I think you might be right a little bit. <laughs> and seeing that someone my age in the same spot as me was also doing it, I was like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. It's not like impossible because I really didn't know anyone who ran marathons until I graduated college. I had my friend who did it and you were doing it. And I was like, you know what? What the hell? I can do it. One foot in front of the other. 
Mm-hmm. But there was definitely some sort of competition. You're like, all right, she's doing it. I can do it. There's no such thing as an original thought. Oh. You see people doing it. You're like, I, I can do it too. How I got into doing it was basically that someone told me I couldn't do it. And that was my dad. Even though yeah. my dad's my biggest promoter, he was like, there's no, there's no way that you're going to, that you're going to finish that. You're not really built for that. Um, and I decided that at that point in time, I was going to do it. And then I just did it again and again. Um, yeah, but yeah. It kind of is just trying to prove the haters wrong. Yeah. Similar with me. When I told my parents that I had to raise $7,500, they looked at me with disgust. And they were like, we can't bail you out if you don't raise that money. So they were like, I don't know if this is a good idea. If you really think you can do this? Especially my dad. Not that he like was like discouraging me or even a hater. He was like concerned that I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd have to pay money out of pocket. So I was like, all right, like it's got to be possible. Yeah. He's just so- on a dotted line. Obviously, when you're going through and trying to select a charity, you knew what charity that you were going to reach out to first because your friend had ran it the year prior or ran for them the year prior. And for those of you that don't know how the Boston Marathon is set up, you can't just register like a normal race and pay an out-of-pocket sum. You have to qualify. And the qualifying times are absolutely asinine for people our age or just people in general. I think my current time as it stands, which is about a four hour and 30 minute marathon time, is what would be a qualifying time for a 65 year old woman, 65 years old. Either I have to less than that. Yeah. If I have to age 40 years, the other side of that is I could also shave an hour off of my time. Now. That might be like, oh, it's 26 miles. Like, I'm sure you could easily do that. I've ran three at this point, and all of them have been in, like, within 10 minutes of each other. I don't think that there is a probability of me shaving any time off anytime soon. Um, That's really just not in the cards for me, especially an hour. Like, no way. So you're either going to qualify or you're going to run as a, what what would you call it, a sponsor for a charity? Charity sponsored runner. Yeah. So you're a charity sponsored runner. And those are really only the two options for non-professional athletes or non-professional runners to get to go run at the Boston Marathon. And so in doing that, you have to try and find a charity that you want to raise money for. And so, Sean, who did you end up running for? Yeah. So that's the other thing why my charity was appealing. They also had one of the lowest minimums to raise money because mm-hmm. I only their minimum requirement was 7,500. Whereas like, if you want to run for the Tom Brady foundation or like the Rob Gronkowski foundation, you could raise up to like $15,000 and that that's their minimum. So their, their minimum was 7,500, which is usually a thousand dollars less than most places. Cause most places you'll see like 8,500, 10 grand. So they yeah. had a little minimum and they were also, they're called good sports. So they donate sporting equipment and uniforms to kids in need throughout the country. Mm-hmm. So I like that because it was a tangible thing. Like you get the emails of the success stories, like every other week being like, oh, like see this batch of like new Steph Curry shoes delivered to this high school in Detroit or like some sort of like, or like Little League softball girls getting new bats or catchers equipment. So it was extremely tangible. Their office and warehouse was located in Braintree. So after I accepted my like bid, I was able to go and get a tour, see like how much like equipment they had how much like stock they had of things they were playing giving away just to see how the whole thing worked that's cool i didn't know that you did that i did do that yeah 
playing sports in high school it's like it's something you're like all right like i i would you you can apply your passion it's really interesting to see the variety of charities that people can run for so a lot of them or a lot of the runners i think the majority of them and this could definitely be an incorrect statistic but i want to say dana farber um cancer research yes they have like they send like hundreds of people out yes and i want to say that the charity sponsored runners are a higher volume of people than the people that have qualified and i don't know do they cap the number of people that run the marathon or do they kind of just let all of the runners who qualify they and definitely cap the number of, and i think you're right where the charity runners outnumber the qualified runners but i think it's like a 20,000 20 to 30,000 person race well at the start line they were saying that there were 15,000 runners from massachusetts alone yeah which is a crazy number that's a crazy number to get to all walks of life Oh yeah, hundred percent. When we were walking past all of the porta potties that were lining the athletes' village before the start line, there were more porta potties at that location than there were runners at my last marathon. <laughs> yeah, twenty eight thousand five hundred eighty. Yeah, right. That's crazy. That is crazy. Crazy. And there's so many people from all over the world. And then when I was running around the next day, I dropped my library book off um, across town. So, and there were people want, running around with their like merch on that they got from the marathon. I was like, was yesterday not enough for you? Like, why are you running yeah, around it's, it's right sick. now? It's sick. And there's so the many people one. that were walking around with their like world, like world medals. Oh, the, the world. They, uh, yeah. They've done all, yeah, they've done all six. And it has this cool, like, pinwheel-looking yeah. thing that Yeah, with just, all six, yeah. Yeah, it's sick. And it's crazy. maybe that is something that we should work towards next. Yeah, it's just a crazy, because you got to go to, like, the way I think of it, like, you're going on a vacation to run a marathon. You're spending yeah. all that money. You got to run 26.2 miles. And, like, I got beat up afterwards. So I, I was a non-functional human being. So then you lose like two or three days when you're in Japan. Yeah, but you would do it on the tail idea. end because it's on a Sunday. But then you can't really enjoy the rest of the vacation because you're like thinking about like says who? reading my crap, like you know, like the party. Like, I don't know. Like I, I would think I would do it in the beginning and just parade through the rest of the break. So you don't have to worry about like your diet or like doing nothing. Yeah, that is true. But at the same time, like you just need to carbo load before you run anyways. Yeah, and I guess the week before, you're not really worrying about doing crazy physical activity. Yeah, exactly. But, so, yeah, maybe someday. Maybe that should be on our bucket lists. Maybe once I start doing that, then you'll start doing it because that seems to be the trend. I'm, I'm about to cross off number two. Yeah, that's true. I need to start doing number one. <laughs> yeah, catching up. But so with the interview, with the research or not the research good sports um what was that process like and what did you kind of have to interview for because obviously like it's a lot different than a job interview yeah i think they just uh they want to make sure you can raise the money which is like the bottom line because that's kind of what it is like they like they don't want to have scumbags to run for them but like it's a charity so like i sound thought of mine and i'm gonna read it. they get seventy five hundred dollars by it April 18th or whatever the fundraising deadline is. And I think they also want to see if you were aligned with like their core values. Like I had to fill mm-hmm. an application that felt like I was writing a like, high school essay. 
Oh, wow. Like it was like, how do you, how do you relate to sports? How do you relate to like this cause? What are your fundraising plans? How are you going to raise this money? And they had different levels of commitment. So mine was like the minimum, which was 7,500 or 8,500 or 10 grand. So it might not have been the best, like the most moral thing to do, but I checked off the $10,000 box just because I wanted to stand out more and be more appealing to them. Because I'm like, oh, if I can raise 10 grand, they'll want to hire, they'll want to bring me on over someone who says 7,500, even though the minimum is the minimum, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So I filled out that I had like, I think I had, I had my parents look over my application and then someone we work with, she was like a partner with the charity. So I had her review it. And then that with a recommendation and then speaking with uh, the lady who was in charge of fundraising. Shortly after I spoke with her, they reached out and said they'd be happy to have me go with them. Mm-hmm. But and I think a lot of it is just first how, home, first serving money. Yeah. Do you know how many people applied or... I don't know mm-hmm. how many people applied. I think like I'm not sure how like what their process is if they got like me or someone else. But I I emailed her before they even started recruiting, so I was in her ear already. And I interviewed mm-hmm. like the first day, so I was probably the first runner they signed. Wow! And, like with New York, I think I reached out to them early too, so I was I got on early. Yeah, but I I feel like at least for them, because they only have like 10 spots compared to like where Dana Farber would have hundreds, probably first come first serve, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then after you pledged to raise that money, how did you start raising the money? Brian had just run it. So I saw how his fundraising, how he did his fundraising mm-hmm. and like what ways worked and what ways didn't work for him. Mm-hmm. So he did like a can jam tournament and a trivia night to raise mm-hmm. most of his money. And I noticed that he didn't post much on social media about it. So obviously I started by like, posting my like good sports paragraph on social media with a picture of like myself running and their logo to ask for donations and i think people were pretty generous with that because we just got out of college and no one really knew many people who run a marathon Mm -hmm. and i got my bid before most other people running with charities Mm -hmm. i kind of got that drain people's pockets before like anyone else yeah which i I think that definitely helped me a lot whatever it's like i post two months later my initial charity uh donations would have been as great Mm-hmm. So I got a few grand from just people being generous. And then I hosted a, a cornhole tournament at a brewery at a nearby town. And my uh, high school wrestling coach runs like a side business of a, just like cornhole leagues at breweries, which is like almost like taking candy for a baby in like a suburban, like South Shore, Massachusetts. So they're pretty successful. So they have connections with the breweries, pay them $500. They set everything up for you. And I just have to get people to sign up for it. Mm-hmm. So with that, I would just kind of just batter people on social media and texting. We charge a hundred dollars a team, and then I set up a, a lot of raffles where like I'd raffle off like liquor, raffle tickets, gift cards to restaurants, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty successful. I got like I think I raised like thirty five hundred through that. Wow, that's a bulk yeah. of so, the so that was that like I kind of crushed that. Mm-hmm. I put everything. I put like all my effort towards that, and had a good turnout of like twenty teams. And a lot of my friends who came and didn't play could just go and buy raffle tickets or just I'd post like my Venmo or like my donation link where they could just donate while they were there. Mm-hmm. So that helped a lot. And then with like the remaining thousand I needed, I sold squares for the Super Bowl mm-hmm. where I would charge $20 a square and donate half the money to my charity. So I'd still like the winners would get $250 a quarter, which is still a good winning. And then mm-hmm. I get a thousand dollars with my charity. Dang. Yeah. I, 
contributed to those things, but I did not win any of those things. I think Sean rigged. You guys them. did well though. Who you and Jeremy in the tournament? Oh, in the I thought you and Jeremy court? would like. Yeah, Jeremy and I yeah. were crushing it for a hot minute, but we didn't win any of like the prizes. We didn't win yeah, any of the I baskets was... for the raffle or the squares for the Super Bowl. Upsetting. Should try harder. Maybe next time. I think it was out of spite. Like it was definitely out of spite. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, Sarah, no, don't, I'm not gonna pull that in. Exactly. Okay, so then after you raised all of that money, finally felt comfortable and set with being able to raise the 7500 then comes the training so obviously you said that you weren't a runner or didn't really like consider yourself a runner but like to keep active so how many how far did you run prior to actually running the marathon far as i ran before the marathon was 17 miles planned on running 20 or more got pretty injured and i met my it band was uh pretty hard so that was the most i was like physically able to run Mm-hmm. which I think definitely affected me on race day. Started training, the the race was like April 18th. Mm-hmm. So I tried, started training after New Year's. So I put like four and a half months into it. And just, I feel like the hardest part was trying to stay healthy, as you can definitely attest to with your several marathons under your belt. Yeah, no, it is tough. And it's really hard. All of your training is during the winter months. That has to be the most challenging part because all of my marathons that I've run have been in the fall. And so you get to run in pretty much ideal running conditions all summer. And then in fall, you kind of peak at the weather conditions, being that the weather's starting to cool down a little bit. You're not struggling for breath as much as you were during the summer heat. Uh, But in the wintertime, you're really hurting in terms of what the weather is like, especially in Massachusetts. See, that's what people said. And I think like factually it's true, but I would get like a sick satisfaction of like getting home from work and pitch black on like on a Wednesday at five o'clock, going out stretching and running like seven or eight miles in like the sub freezing temperatures and coming back. Like granted, I think it's definitely harder and it's easier to like to, in the summer, go out on a nice like July day and run with the sun still up, but just like some sort of like, I don't know, like for my mental health, or just some mental set, like the runner's high and the satisfaction of like going out on a miserable, like seasonal depression day where like, I don't want to do this at all. And then you push yourself through like seven miles in the dark, come home, eat dinner, like you feel amazing. But where that screwed me is being a pale Irish kid running in the sun in April when I hadn't really seen the sun all year and not thinking I needed sunscreen. I pretty sure I got sun poisoning, which contributed to my, uh, how hard the race was for me. Oh, contributed to your what, Sean? Contributed to your time not being as yes. good as mine? Yeah, maybe that. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how New York goes. Ring me after New York. Yeah, give me six months. Exactly, Probably but maybe. who knows? Maybe I'll be running New York with you. I haven't decided yet. Yeah, it's still possible. It still is possible. And it's pretty likely, actually. With all the training, and then prior to that, like, were you running any mileage before? How did you come up with a plan of how to run? Yeah, so I did the, I wanted to sign up for a half marathon before I signed myself up for a full one because I was like, I got to see if I can actually come close to the miles. So I did that, which was the November before the before uh, the marathon. I did pretty well. And then from there, I was like, I got to leave it up to the experts. So through my charity, I was given a membership to, well, it's called Heartbreak Hill Running Company. They have running stores throughout Boston and they run like a marathon training program. We could go on their website. They have different Excel files for like beginner, intermediate, and advanced marathon training. So I followed the beginner one and it would set up with like a long run on Saturday, 
like a speed run on Tuesdays and Thursdays and then like another run on Wednesday or some iteration of that. And whereas I didn't really follow like the go on a track and run, I would just try to hit the miles they suggested and especially follow the long runs. Cause so I was like, if I can follow, like if I can get 12 miles one Saturday at 14, then I'm, I'll be somewhat like on pace to finish. And it was cool. Cause they also had like, like where I said I was injured and I wouldn't know what to do. They had like zoom meetings on Wednesday mornings where I could hop in and be like, Hey, like I'm having this knee issue. Like do you have any stretches or exercises you recommend? Or like my shoes are getting beat up. What would you recommend for someone with like high arches or something like that? Mm-hmm. So they had all the resources there for you, which made it seem like you weren't just in it by yourself. Yeah, which is huge, especially when a lot of the time, at least for me, is spent running alone and you kind of are wondering why you're running alone all the time. Did you ever run in groups with people or was it always just a solo activity? Yes, that was probably the best thing they did, which I would try to get you to come with me. But on Saturday mornings, we'd meet on Heartbreak Hill, which is mile 20 in Newton, and there'd be like 60 other people there running the same exact route. They'd set up water stops every few miles. They give you like the energy goos that like they give it on the course so you can mimic running it as best as possible. And like where they had events which I couldn't get to go to because I like I was just injured and I couldn't run. Mm-hmm. But like a few weeks before, they'd bust everyone out to the starting line and you'd run the first 13 miles. And like two, three weeks before, they have like a big 20 mile run where they kind of set it up like a party afterwards and you mimic part of the route. That also made it way more bearable. Yeah, definitely. Because training by yourself is not anything that's fun. No. And especially in the wintertime when it's kind of bleak in Massachusetts anyways. Yeah. And like you said, just dark perpetually. It is extremely helpful to have other people there because a lot of the time that you're running by yourself, you'll start questioning. All right. Why am I doing this? faster too. I wouldn't even really, I wouldn't really talk to many people, much people when I ran. But just mm-hmm. being around people, like, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to try to beat this guy today. Or just, like, you get the energy. Yeah, exactly. And then through all the training and the injury, you finally end up on race day. What was race day energy like? So have you ever – I don't think that you did cross country or anything in high school. No, or I did yeah. not. So what was that like for you? That To me, that was the coolest part of, like, the whole experience. Because it's like you – get dropped off in the Boston column at like eight in the morning and being a charity runner, you, you start last. So you don't start till 1130. So I had my dad drop me off and I chose to not run with headphones or have my phone with me. Cause I, the expert runners said, don't do it. And I was like, I, don't I think run. I told you not to, you told me not to. And like people tell you not to, I wish I did, but I was just, so I was disconnected. I didn't have my phone on me. So you're kind of forced to be in the moment. And there's just like the 28,000 people around you waiting for the buses I sat next to some older lady from New York on the way there. She's telling me her marathon stories, like mm-hmm. judging me for not running any other marathons before Boston. And you get dropped off at Hoppington High, as you would know, because you were there a few days ago. Yep. It's just the same. Like everyone's excited. I met one of my friends who were like waiting around in like their like recess area before, just like eating our snacks, putting on like the body glide. And then you walk like the quarter, three quarters of a mile to the start line. And there's like the people in Hoppington all like out in their front yards, like drinking, cheering you on, like before you start. It's just a crazy, like surreal experience because we're like, oh shit, I'm running the Boston Marathon. Yeah. And it really hits you because Hopkinton is kind of a far drive out of yeah, it's nowhere. Boston. It's in the middle of nowhere. And for me, it was kind of 
a weird feeling. Even though I was only volunteering, it was a weird feeling because when we got there, there was nobody there and no runners were there. There were no people in the yard. And then the city absolutely, I, I don't even want to call it a city, the small town, yeah, the little small village, um, it really came alive as soon as everyone showed up there. And the energy was a complete 180 and you could see it on everyone's face, like how excited they were. The energy was absolutely through the roof of that small, tiny little village. Um, yeah. But it was just a really cool feeling that even the people that weren't running also felt and getting oh, to yeah, see all these so people passionate. at the start line. Yeah. It's so exciting. So I bet there's so many, I bet there's thousands of volunteers as well. It's, I mean, the drive probably stunk, but like, I feel like it'd be cool to volunteer at the starting line. Yeah. It was pretty the cool because and- there's a lot of people that get really jittery before a race or just get really jittery before they start doing something that they're anxious about. And so they just start talking to you and looking for reassurance and, it was just really, you don't see that very often, especially in Massachusetts. Oh. For those of you who haven't visited Massachusetts, people are, nice. people are not nice in the sense that you can't just go up to them and start talking to them. They're very off put by that and they don't want you to converse with them. But this was a complete different atmosphere because everybody was doing that. Everyone was so nice. Everyone was so kind, so supportive. And so it was seeing Boston in the completely different lighting because yeah. everyone was so excited and passionate and ready to go pretty much i think runners are more friendly but still it's like yeah exciting it is exciting and i do agree that runners are kind of a different breed of people and especially long distance runners because you all know what you're getting into signing up for this race but there are times when I've gone running around here do you know what the runner's wave is yeah 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 like you just like hey And I'll yeah, do that when I'm, I'm I'm doing it when I'm running around Boston and people don't do it back. I'm like, it is literally just you and me here. Like you're literally having to ignore my hand wave to you. Especially in like Castle Island. I feel like yes. everyone is going there to, it's not like you're just like in a random street. It's like we both came here to do the same exact thing. We have something in common already. Yes. The least you can do is be like, hey, how are you? Like, yeah, sucks that's too. it. Like, a little nod, a little smile, yeah. something. Yeah. It's so bizarre. It is so bizarre. I've never seen anything like it. But that was completely altered on race day. Everyone was smiling. Everyone. And yeah. also another thing that I've never seen before. Everyone had their name like written on their shirt or on their yes. arm. That's that is something I wish I did. It's like it's because you run by and people are like, oh, go Sean. Like my mm-hmm. friends were doing it before, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of lame. Like, I'm not gonna write my name on my arm." And like immediately, I was like, "I made a mistake." So that would be so. It would have helped me so much because like I had like good sports in my chest. So every once in a while, I was gonna be like, "Oh, good, good sports." But if I had like, "Go Sean, go Sean, go Sean," like it's like someone's talking to you. Like you're like, "Oh, I gotta impress this guy." Like, yeah, it's like you want to show out for this person who showed up to watch you. Yeah, it's exactly. really. It's a it's an amazing feeling that I think everyone benefits from the runners, the spectators, the volunteers. Yeah, because... exactly. As a spectator this year, we were watching by Kenmore, and like mm-hmm. every time I saw someone's name, I would shout it. And it's exciting. And Sean and I met up this year to watch some of the marathon together, and both of us left, and we were kind of just like, okay, so when is, when's the next marathon that we're running? Because it really yeah. is a contagious sort of energy. It is inspirational. Yeah, and so I. I'm coming out of retirement, and this is me confessing this to the general public. 
But yeah, I've decided after my short stint um, following in suit of Tom Brady in the New England retirement, um, coming out of it fashionably early and going to run some additional marathons because it's cool. It's fun. And especially the like these mm-hmm. huge marathons, you're contributing to a culture in Boston in the sense of, okay, the Boston Marathon, every like pretty much everyone that works in the city gets the day off. Sean, of course. Yeah, today. exactly. <laughs> um, Gosh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a local holiday. Like a it is a holiday. local holiday. And it's just really exciting to get to be a part of it, even if it is just a spectator. Because the spectators are so important to the actual race itself. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like a lot of people that run it, it is their first time, and they're from the area. So mm-hmm. it's not like, yeah, you have like your elite runners that come from all over the world. And you also have people like me who just like signed up for a marathon last year. And everyone else is like, oh, like Sean's running a marathon. That's cool. Like, let's go watch it. And it kind of gives more people a reason to watch you run a marathon. Yeah, exactly. Last year, I ran the Cape Cod Marathon and I had zero spectators come to watch for me. I mean, my brother ran it with me. So I knew that I had somebody there like supporting me. But this is an event. This is like a culmination of Boston yeah, exactly. culture. It's, all, it's a legit holiday. Yeah. So it's it'd be silly if I didn't. It would really be silly yeah, if I didn't. It's cool. So it's fun to watch. Like I, as a spectator, like going to the Fenway bars, like everyone's there for the Red Sox to watch their friends run. It's a party all day. Then you walk 20 feet out the door. You see people run. You see people walking around with their medals. It's a good feeling. Yeah, exactly. Even like the day before I was around the city and everyone's like repping their jackets from the year before. Like they just bought theirs at the expo. Mm-hmm. Like you see how many people just come to the city and run yeah exactly and it's such a healthy activity i know that there's a lot of drinking from the spectator side but it is like a fun thing and i say fun very loosely because if you ask a lot of the runners after they finish the marathon they won't tell you that it was very fun but it is a fun thing to be a part of in the sense that it's a very healthy activity that's being the culminating event here, being that people have spent yeah, exactly. months training for this, that they've been hopefully treating their bodies correctly so that they're able to perform on this day. Yeah. And there's something to be said about that as well, because I think that there's a lot of people who definitely can't do that. And that contributes to not, being able to run a marathon so it is very impressive just in general the whole event of it all and all of these yeah multi thousands of people coming and doing the same thing and having come from very similar training experiences exactly like most people are like most training schedules follow the same like cycle where like most people are running their peak miles the same week like Mm-hmm. Like you, you like we all follow people on instagram who run the boston marathon and like flaunt their miles to like raise money show up that they're running it and you'll see like three or four people post their apple watch on a saturday morning and they've all ran like 18 miles so mm-hmm. it's like a real like camaraderie thing yeah it's a very close-knit community i would say the runner community and all of the marathons that you have coming up new york then potentially chicago then potentially tokyo and then potentially berlin right <laughs> i think that's your agenda probably the next year i'll do it yeah, just do all of them at one time. Just knock them all out. I don't have a loan to charity. Yeah. I don't know it's... how you would... How can you do the ones that are abroad? Do you still run for... It's like you can do the same thing. Where like you can put your name in a lottery mm-hmm. to get chosen to just pay like 200 bucks to run it. 
But realistically, like if you're like me or you, you gotta just find a charity, give them your credit card number and bug your friends for money. Yeah. I love to do that. I actually have never done that. Yeah. And so I think that's honestly what has been my largest barrier. Yeah, it's the the it's the worst part about it. I have to make my I fundraising mean, page in the next eight days. Yeah, it's for it's a good cause. Like, hey guys, like, yeah. Give me money again, please. Yeah. But it, yeah, it is for a good cause. But it's just like I, I'm not a salesman. I don't like asking people like to buy things to like ask give money. Yeah. I'll leave that mostly to just the moms of Facebook. And yeah. moms of Facebook love to donate to things yeah. for whatever reason it makes them feel good. And if I have a charity that can help make them feel good, I would love to be a part yeah. of that. What was like the best part of it? So obviously the training kind of stunk and the feeling afterward and the sunburn weren't ideal, but what was your favorite part of the marathon itself? The morning of like undeniably was probably the coolest like experience of my life. Mm-hmm. just like, like i said like not having my phone so i was like wasn't taking snapchat post instagram stories i was completely disconnected and just like the atmosphere and the good vibes and the people around you it was like i'm under like I'm, i couldn't even explain it and you could see it because like, you were there mm-hmm. but it's just crazy because you're like the past 20 weeks i've been training for this you're surrounded by people you're getting on school buses filled with other runners with their like baggies with their goos like, i made a friend gail who like i tracked her afterwards to see how she did like did just you like the morning of was insane by two minutes. Ooh, like that. But Gail. She was a monster. She's like, yeah, I run like sub four. And she was an older Jewish lady. So she was, it was Ramadan. So she had her dietary restrictions because of that. And she was also a vegetarian. So she's Sean, Ramadan isn't for it. Jewish people. Not Ramadan, uh, Passover. Yeah. Okay. Passover. There we go. It was a long time ago. Passover. So her <laughs> diet was extremely restricted. And she, uh, was basically telling me she's been living off lettuce and was giving me her stats of her past marathons. I'm like, the 65-year-old woman who was fasting is going to smoke me. Yeah. Because I'm a 23-year-old who's supposed to be in the best shape of my life. Yeah. No, you quickly come to realize that that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. And now comes to my final question of what advice do you have to people that want to run their first marathon or specifically the Boston Marathon? Uh, I would say you got to plan it out like six months in advance. Mm-hmm. So just be on top of the the charity applications because if you wait until like January, February, maybe you'll get it in, but then you have to raise that same amount of money in a short time frame. So you want to give yourself as much time as possible to raise the money and train. And as for training, I, I'm sure you say the same thing. I would just say to run more miles than you think you should. Yeah. Because like I followed the beginner plan and with being injured, I couldn't like follow it to a T. Mm-hmm. I still ran like so many miles. But when I hit the race, I was like, my training could have been so much better. Yeah. Like, even with the crazy amount of running I did, I felt like I was still slightly unprepared. I like to believe that there is no amount of training, unless you're a pro athlete where you're like actually going out for time, where you feel like you got enough training in. Cause it's it's an uncomfortable yeah. length of time that you're running, to be honest. Like Four and a half hours is a long time to be doing anything, let alone physical activity on your feet running for four hours, four and a half hours. Half a work day, more. More than half a work day. Yeah. But just like my, I'll tell you after the next one, my thought is like, if you get, like, if you run 20 miles a few times, like you've done it before. Whereas Mm -hmm. I had only run 17 miles and I had to run nine more miles at the hardest part of the race 
Mm-hmm. So it was just completely unfamiliar territories. And nine miles is... Especially after you've already run, what? What's the yeah. yeah. Like, nine doesn't seem that bad in comparison to 17. But nine's a lot. Like, let's break that 26. down. That's 90 minutes. That's, that's an hour and a half. That is a lot of exactly. time. Exactly. If you're running 10-minute miles, that's an hour and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, that is a movie. But yeah, well, I'm glad that you have survived your marathon and are so inspired to run another one from running your first and then watching the Boston. So great to have you on. So great to hear about your experience. I'll have to check into my... Yeah, you'll keep up with it. I'll probably update you over text and stuff. Yeah. Try to get around with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm sure I probably actually will. Because I think, I mean, you only have to what, run, or you only have to raise, what, like $4,000? 3000 3000 Yeah, so if I find a charity that I can run, or that I can raise seven grand for, then I really only have to ri- raise ten grand. Yeah. And I'm saying only, but only, it's a lot of, it's a, it's a lot of money, but... Ten grand over, like, pretty much a year. Well, yeah you start but if, start in may boston goes to april but if i start now and i'm like hey i'm running the new york and the boston people are gonna be like ah yeah, yeah but then you won't know if you like not to be a debbie downer but boston you won't have like an official like charity until like september yeah i mean and i'm sure like i'm trying to i i've already decided who i think i want to run for it's called girls on the run i was a um volunteer for them in college because it was our sorority's philanthropy and so i've reached out to all of them on linkedin or all of the directors of the club or not club of the organization yeah so potentially gonna try and like finagle my way in to become a coach it's just the fact that you already reached out to them yeah so we'll see but yeah overall 10 out of 10. Thanks for coming on, Sean. I'll text yeah, you. Thanks for having updates. me. Updates. like a celebrity. You are a celebrity. <laughs> awesome. All right. I'll see you. All right. See you later.